0: Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another new version of Soul Speaks. This is the Socialite Spotlight, and we are here today with an amazing woman and goddess, Thais. She just goes by Thais like Oprah. It's the <laughs> most amazing thing ever. She is a spiritual teacher mentoring women on how to fully step into their power. And I have to tell you that um, Thais and I met, I believe, on Instagram. And boy, she fully steps into her power with each and every word that is spoken and typed. And she is just an incredible woman. And I'm very privileged to be able now to call her a friend as well. So for those of you that are new to this segment or new to Soul Speaks, Soul Speaks is very different from most of the podcasts that you hear because Soul Speaks is unplanned, it is unscripted, and it is unedited. It is literally our soul just speaking to yours, so there are no pre-planned questions. Um, Thais has not been given any script or any questions for what I am going to ask, and I have no idea what she's going to say. This is literally just an authentic, wholehearted conversation between Two sisters that see each other and know each other on a soul level. The Soul Shall Light Spotlight came about because I had so many of my friends saying, I want my soul to speak. I want my soul to speak. I want to do something like that. And I love nothing more than featuring my friends and sisters and women that have my back that are on this journey with me. We are all working really hard to make the world a better place. And we're starting right here today.
1: So hello, Thais, welcome. Thank you so much Heather for having me on. I'm so excited to uh, to get to talk to you today. I, I am so excited
0: for you to be here, very privileged. Thank you so much. So we're just gonna open it up and just dive right in. Um, and I'll just ask you, what is it today that is on your heart and soul that you would love to share with the listeners?
1: So, um, you know, we were just talking before we started the recording that I just hosted uh, the largest event that I've ever thrown. We had over 100 men and women or women and men because yes. there were definitely more women than men in this beautiful venue in Beverly Hills. And it was so Romantic and inspiring. And, uh, there, it was just a tremendously beautiful event. And it's an opportunity for men and women to come together and honor International Women's Day. And so this is only the second time I've thrown an event of this size. And yesterday and today, I've been experiencing a lot of different emotions. Mm. I've been experiencing a wide array of, uh, feelings from disappointment to expansiveness, to grumpiness, mm-hmm. to joy and tears will just pro- come up whoops, and, and it's in the shower and it's when I'm watching Friends and it's been a really uh, interesting experience for me and that's what's been on my heart right now is, you know, a lot of the work that I do and I know a lot of the work that you do, Heather, is on emotions and feelings because I know that our world, we do not have a space for them. We do not talk about it. It's, everything is about logic and science and research. And yet women thrive when we find a sense of power in our emotions. Yes. And so I feel like feeling our emotions is the best rebellion against a society that wants us to use the word emotional as a negative thing. Yes,
0: Absolutely. You're absolutely right, and I'm so glad that we're talking about this. What an important thing to discuss. I actually just had the same topic earlier with a client who is just learning to feel Emotions, and we talked about this because we're so often raised, especially when we're even come from different cultures. There's a belief that it's weak to feel, and it's certainly even more weak to put a name to it. Mm -hmm. We're taught, at least I know, I heard, suck it up so much growing up, suck it up, you know, don't cry. Um, tears are weak. These are things that we are taught. And it's so normal, especially after you experience something like you did. You went to a new level. Yeah. So to have a myriad of different emotions come up, disappointment, elation, expansiveness, all the ones you mentioned is so completely normal. Yeah. And I wonder what would happen if you didn't allow yourself to feel those.
1: I would probably binge. Yeah. I mean, that's that's my history, my, my entire uh, life came to a standstill when I reached a really dark place in my life and had serious binge eating episodes. I mean, I was binging three, four times a week. I gained, mm-hmm. you know, uh, gosh, like maybe 35 pounds and um, all within a very short time span because I did not understand mm-hmm. what – what was coming up for me. And I've always considered myself to be a very logical person. Thank you very much. And uh, I put tremendous power around my intellect. And I was headed, I was in business school. I was heading to law school. I was, you know, very much prideful of being articulate and intelligent. And, you know, all these traits that I know are revered in our society. And then I would find myself binging on a whole thing of pizza. I mean, yeah. my binge attacks were not like, oh my God, I had one cookie. <laughs> no, it was, I had to annihilate the whole package of cookies yes. or else I would not be able to think about anything else. Yes. And that still to this day, I mean, it's been seven years and I've done so much healing around it. And I, I'm so very aware now of when my body wants to binge. And now I use that as an indi- indicator that I'm not feeling something. So if I have a an urge to binge, I've developed a really acute sense of awareness of when it's coming up and that it's not ever about the food and, Mm -hmm. you know, what is really coming up for me and can I be with what's coming up. And because I've been able to create so much space for my emotions, my body no longer feels the desire to physically expand. Yes. Because, gosh, I think this was the most brilliant insight I've ever had about my binge eating was that my body physically wanted to expand to compensate for the fact that I was not allowing myself – to expand in my own space yes, emotionally and uh, energetically. Yes.
0: This brings so much up for me as well. Like the emotions are coming. Like I feel like I'm about yeah. to cry because I understand you so much. And I'm a total empath. So I just <laughs> – Yeah. But I – girl, I understand I was the exact same way. Yeah. And exactly on the same path as you. If and when I did not allow myself to fully immerse myself in that disappointment or the elation or the success or the failure or whatever it be, I would also find myself standing at the fridge and mindlessly eating or at times been shopping. I remember mm, there yes, were times I would yes. be like, you know what? These emotions suck, but nothing that a pair of shoes and a brand new coach bag can't handle. And yeah. then you feel good for a few hours and then you come home and you're like, Well, that didn't work. Here I am now. I'm left with debt and this feeling that's still there. Yeah. So I understand and how wonderful that you have that acute sense of awareness. Yeah. I understand. So I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: No, no. I was just gonna say, and you know, I think the only way that we can hold space for our emotions is to really be with our body, and I think that that's. Honestly, the hardest thing, I've been on this path for seven years and I'm still learning. Mm-hmm. How do you feel all of your emotions without getting consumed by them? Yes. Because I'm a, I'm a Scorpio, I'm a Scorpio rising, Scorpio moon. So my first house, if you, for all of you astrological based people know that the first house is, you know, very prominent for your personality. And the fact that I have a a Scorpio there means that I'm very intense with my emotions and I cannot hide it. So my beautiful life lesson has been, how can I give space to all of my emotions without getting so consumed by them that I then fall into victimhood and then fall into that spiral self-hate and then fall into that deep place that I know is within me that is filled with this hopeless despair. Yes. it's, I think for me and, and for a lot of my clients, it, it's going to be a continual work. It's not. I refuse to believe that one thing and you're fixed. And I'm not that type of coach. I'm not that type of individual. I can't fix you. But what we can do is continue to give you tools and for me, continue for me to explore my feelings in such a way that they can pass without getting consumed by them.
0: Absolutely. And that's so important for everyone to know it is a continual healing. Um, I have people ask me, so, you know, will I be fixed in six sessions? You know, I think there's this belief or expectation that if you do A, B, C, D, and E, that all of a sudden the problem's gone. And I'm here to tell you, um, after 20 years of working through this, (laughs) I still get triggered and and I know what to do. I'm a therapist and, I'm a recovered binge eater and bulimic. Um, I still can get triggered. The difference is, is just as you were talking about, it's that beautiful acute awareness and seeing that triggering with a radical acceptance and non-forgiveness of when you do mess up because we don't heal or change by force or by shame or by, you know, talking ugly to ourselves. We heal by forgiveness and by saying, you know what? I just defaulted back into a pattern that I know doesn't work for me and I'm going to see it and I'm going to shine love on it and I'm going to choose differently now. And that's okay. That's how we heal. And that's, I think our greatest work in teaching our clients to be gentle and kind with themselves at all times when things are going really well and when they're not going as well as they would like.
1: Oh, amen. <laughs> jai Jai! I could not have said that better. And I think the reason why so many people come to us feeling that they just want the steps to be fixed is because they're not feeling fully ready yet to embrace their brokenness. Right. So it's like we know we feel the sense of brokenness because life's not working. So we feel like there must be something's broken. And we are so scared that if we were to look at what's broken, it would tell us that we are really deeply unworthy. Yeah that we are just really fudged, like really, we're bad people. Mm -hmm. And so instead of even looking at it, we'd rather be like, all right, what's the six steps to happiness? Mm -hmm. How can I just get happy? Just tell me how to find a Like a a blog post. Five
0: steps to ending ending anxiety forever.
1: (laughs) The three mantras that will make my life all better. And unfortunately, this is why I think a lot of my work as a light worker is to embrace my darkness and to embrace darkness in general. It's not that I'm talking about duality here, but I am talking about wholeness. Mm -hmm. If we want to step into the light, we first have to look at our darkness and and do it in such a safe way. And that's exactly why I love what you said with that safe container of compassion and forgiveness and awareness for us to slowly start to heal the darkness. It's Only when we embrace all of who we are that we start to walk towards the healing. We cannot heal if we deny our darkness.
0: I agree completely. I think if there's one thing that I think is my greatest gift going, you know, in this life I have now and what I can share with others, it's that it's okay that you are worthy to be your authentic self. Mm. I find that that trance of unworthiness that you mentioned is so pervasive with women, most especially. I find that it doesn't matter what the issue is, whether it's food, whether it's sex, whether it's depression or anything. When we peel those layers away, it somehow always feels like I'm not good enough is at the very bottom of that. I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. It's just I'm not enough of something and I'm too much of everything.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I have tears in my eyes because I can really feel um, the global consciousness, our collective consciousness screaming for that to change. Yes,
0: I can't How, I have chills.
1: Right? I mean, we cannot – how can we do great things? How can we step into leadership? How can we be CEOs? How can we be presidents if we don't feel like we are enough to have a beautiful body however way it looks? Exactly. How can we how can we feel worthy of having a beautiful family? We're we're gonna sabotage it. And we mm-hmm. do, we sabotage I do. it all. I I um, love the quote by the Dalai Lama, you know, he said, the world will be saved by the Western woman. Yes. Hallelujah. I love that. But I, I say, I change it up and I say, you know what? The world will be saved by women who decide they are worthy of yes. it. Because until you decide that you're worthy of being on this planet, you're never going to heal this planet. That's right. You're going to perpetuate that broken attitude. You're going to perpetuate the fear and the lack. And that's not. I'm not trying to be all black and white and you're wrong and I'm right. It's just a, a beautiful opportunity to notice if you are feeling broken and fearful and angry, these are beautiful opportunities for you to start going in. Yes. Going in, going in, going in, getting the tools around you, getting the, the coaches, the healers, the teachers, the mentors, yes. getting people around you to rally to your cause, to show you the light and to help you hold space for all of who you are. It's the only way that we can step into our worthiness. It's Absolutely. the only way that we can step into our feminine power.
0: Absolutely. And as, and as wild as this is, I love now sitting with my pain. I know I'm not a masochist, but I know that it means – I'm going to be so much better when I'm done. Like, I know that when I'm in a time of growth and darkness, which probably I am right now, it's hard. And there are times you just feel like energetically stuck, but I know it's going to be so worth it. It's going to be so worth it because, man, when I come out the other side, I'm a force to be reckoned with because I allowed myself to be with that process and to not push it away.
1: Yeah. Well, and I, you start realizing, right, Heather, too, that you are not the brokenness that's right. and you and, and you can give space to it because it's mm-hmm. no longer you. Like I know that for many years I defined myself as a binge eater. Yeah. You know, my name is Thais and I'm a binge eater. Mm-hmm. And for many years that was necessary for me to claim my story because for many years I was in denial about it. So there's like a cycle. First you're in denial, right? And then you start to embrace it. Like, okay, this yep. is who I am. This is my story. This is where I come from. You start doing healing around it. But then that's not the last step. The last step is, to go. Well, I I no longer define myself by my problems. That's right. I no longer choose to define myself as a binge eater because I am not a binge eater. That's right. I may have binge eating tendencies. I may have used that as an opportunity to grow, mm-hmm. but I am not defined by that anymore. That's right. And I think that the more that we can start to if you have any sort of anxiety pain, if you have ADD, if you are, have alcoholism mm-hmm. as your issue, right? If you have any anxiety stemming problem it gets to the point where you have to choose yes to let go of that identity or also going to continue to perpetuate the ego's belief that you are broken yes. that you have a problem and that you are never going to be able to find healing
0: absolutely you know that is so important the way that we talk to ourselves and the mm-hmm. words we speak aloud to others um in everything we say for example um No one knows this probably because I don't talk about it, but I have fibromyalgia and I never say it or talk about it or give it energy because it's not who I am. And I, I don't even like saying I have it. It's something that I've been told is in my body, but I choose what to do with that. And I choose to live very holistically and not give it power. So it doesn't have power over me. I have flare ups, but it doesn't have power over me. Same thing. It's like I used to feel like, well, I'm Heather and I'm a chronic dieter or I'm a binge eater or I'm Heather and I'm bulimic or whatever. And the truth is those were all just things that were happening for me to get me here where I am right now. But they never happened to me.
1: Yeah. I think for me, when when I was going through my big revelation, my big awakening, the biggest shift for me was... The idea that it's me against the world, mm-hmm. and it's a dog eat dog world, and if I don't make space for myself in the world, then there is no space mm-hmm. for me. Which, and of course, what, of course, I would binge eat because I didn't believe there was space for me in this world, um, and that if I didn't show up and force my way forward, I was going to be forgotten. Mm-hmm. So, going from that belief to the belief that what if life is working for me. What if I'm not alone? What if I'm a co-creator? You know, what if I was chosen to be here? What if, you know, there are people that don't wake up in the mornings, like millions of people around the world, they don't wake up in the morning. I got to wake up in the morning. What if that was not, not just a given? Like, what if that was a luxury? What if that meant that I had a purpose and I had to do something here on this planet? And that was the biggest shift because it just invites new perspective and it's not always easy to remember it of course not and of course we get bogged down by you know circumstance of course it's very easy to believe that oh here we go another you know another problem I have to battle but that's the practice Mm -hmm. of coming back again and again using circumstances as an invitation to come back to how am I perceiving this incorrectly you know where is the miracle in this because the miracle is always here I just not seeing it exactly
0: The miracle is always there. I'm just not seeing it. That's so very true. All we have to do is open our minds and hearts and begin looking more closely. Because my greatest miracles have come from my times of pain. My greatest miracles have come from those moments when I was in disappointment or in shame. Because it was then that I was able to take a step back and look and be like, oh, wait a minute. This is bullshit. No. I'm not I don't have to be shamed there's no, that's just something that someone told me that I wouldn't even take street directions from anymore yeah. I don't have to hold on to that yeah and I think also having tools in our spiritual toolbox and having a support system like you talked about having coaches or therapists or support groups or whatever it is for you or all of the above because I'm I love healing so I'd like all of them yeah um, all of them we have Bring to, them all. we on. have to have that support system we have to have that support system we, well I don't like to say we have to but we choose <laughs> I know I hate to use those words I hate should and half but it's true like <laughs> Those are our non negotiables. There are certain things that are non negotiables, and a support system is just non negotiable because we're human. we are spiritual beings, but we are in a human body and a human world, and there are times that we have got to be able to pick up the phone and say i need help
1: yeah i i don't know how it happened at some point. we went from being this community driven uh you know uh, collective community um society i guess i should say and then we went at some point maybe in the industrial revolution where it became like each for their own yeah. and you're on your own and yes. you got to succeed. And part of this is the American dream that yeah. you can become anything you want to be, but we certainly cannot get there alone. And I think a lot of uh, TV and, and, you know, stuff on the media kind of implies that you kind of have to burn bridges and be brutal and, you know, make your way up the corporate ladder. And, I, I don't know. I like to consider that there's a new way. There's a new paradigm shift where, you know, we can be in collaboration and that we can be in community. And the more sisters I can surround myself with that get me and support me, the more they can, they ignite me, the more they remind me of my why, the more they remind me of my power. Whenever I am feeling low, yes. I can reach out to them. They can see who I truly am and remind me of that, reflect me, my, my brilliance. Um, I have a mastermind circle and we call it, we call it the mistress mind. I love so, it. Mistress and mind. I mean, you know, and whenever I come to them and I say I'm feeling defeated or I'm feeling upset, they just reflect to me my brilliance. And oh my oh, gosh, the reminder. That. And I believe, you know, that the universe or God works through people. So whenever someone compliments me, it's not just coming from their ego, from yeah. this individual, it's coming from God, it's coming from the mm-hmm. universe. And my goodness, yes. I will accept. I will accept that love.
0: Absolutely. And I find it so hard for women to accept that sometimes. I wonder, I know for me it was a process. Was it a process for you? Because I remember even five, six years ago, always deflecting compliments. You know, people would say, oh, Heather, you know, you're so radiant. Or your skin is beautiful. Or I love your lips. And I'd be like, oh, you know, oh, no. Or, oh, thanks, you know, I've I've got on lots of makeup. Or just whatever we say to completely deflect owning our radiance. What do you think it is, Thais, that has helped us own that? Because I know for both of us, if I tell you, you're fucking radiant. You're going to be like, thank you. I'm a goddess. And I'm going to stay the same because we own it now because we, yeah. we love that. We love owning that part of our nature because when we own it, we can give it back out to others. Yes. If we're not owning it, I can't give it to you. I can't reflect your radiance to you if I'm not owning mine.
1: Yeah. Well, and, tr- and, and, you know, I think it all comes from biology. Really. I feel like we were, we were born feeling unworthy Mm -hmm. I I don't know maybe it's it's right now the work that we have to do as women but I feel like we're just born feeling unworthy Mm -hmm. and then as we age we're continuously reflected to us to Mm -hmm. have confidence but not a lot of confidence you know like you should feel confident just enough and um so we call it humility yes that's how we we sabotage um the desire for confidence is by saying oh but I'm being humble Mm -hmm,
0: I'm being humble
1: Yeah, I'm being humble. And I don't think that that's humility Mm -mm. because I think humility is knowing the greatness that God has given you. And the only way that we can know is by moving it from the ego into our hearts. So the practice for me has been when anyone gives me a compliment, I look at them in the eye. I make it a point. I look at them right in the eye. I place my hand on my heart because for me, that is such a beautiful representation of I am here. Mm-hmm. right i feel my hand against my heart i feel the warmth of my skin and i just say thank you yeah and i usually try to take a deep breath in because when you inhale you are accepting it in yes. and then as i exhale i allow it to be as it is. is and of course the mind can go oh but i'm not oh but i'm awful oh but, but and it can say all those things and that's okay i just don't pay attention to it i just say thank you and i accept it in i
0: love that so much
1: yeah, it's, it's work, right? It's a process of feeling confident. I think that's why I'm so passionate with what I do because, gosh, can you imagine what it could look like if we removed this whole f- fake, fake, false humility? out of our language and we really stepped into our power. We wouldn't be so obsessed with our body having to look a certain way. We wouldn't be so obsessed having to prove ourselves. Mm -hmm. We would just be in our power.
0: Yes, and we would focus on our body as a vessel for love Not what size jeans we were wearing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: I think that that's why we obsessed with Mm -hmm. with look at those magazines with how much you weigh and yours, Mm -hmm. you know, how to lose weight in ten days. And I, I think it's because we've attached our worth to the one thing that we feel like we can control. Yes. Um, and it's not, it's not, we can't control it. One, and I know this because I tried and then mm-hmm. it just resulted in binge eating. Yep. And even now to this day, you cannot tell me to deprive anything from my diet or else I will rebel against it. I will too. And I think that that's actually great because now I know every time I want to diet, every time I hear it in my, my head being like, Hmm, I should go on a juice cleanse, you know, or whatever I, I say, I, I know that I can't. Mm-hmm. So then I, it's an opportunity for me to investigate deeper. Yeah. Huh. Why is that? Because just uh-huh. yesterday, you felt just great. So what's going on what's going deeper on? within you? I love that. Yeah, I, I a few months
0: ago decided to do the whole I quit sugar thing. <laughs> and I did it in the name of health. Um, at least I thought. Yeah. Uh, you know, that tricky little subconscious in there was like, hey, hey, hey you think you're doing it for help. Yeah. yep. Yeah, <laughs> um, exactly. And I think like two days in, I was like, you know, I've got this. Like, I don't need sugar. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, I want Twizzlers. Like, I hadn't wanted Twizzlers in two years. Like, I had never thought about Twizzlers. And so all of a sudden, I found myself starting to want more sugar than I had ever consumed in like the last few years. And I got to thinking, I'm like, this is ridiculous. I hardly eat sugar anyways. Why am I on an I quit sugar? I don't even eat sugar. And it was just, it was that whole fear of missing out. Like, I'm not good enough unless I'm able to say I'm completely sugar free. Like, this body, this vessel is sugar free. but. That's, I, I'm human. If yeah. I want a Twizzler, I want to be able to eat a Twizzler. And then I won't eat another one for years.
1: Yeah. And I have a really good friend who is sugar-free. Mm-hmm. And to her, it's not a problem. Mm-hmm. She has no problem with it whatsoever. She doesn't even think about it. Yes. And I think that that's so amazing of that's her. Amazing. And I'm so proud of her. And I know that that's not me. Yeah. That's not my story. That's not where I'm right. at. that's our honor- story. Yeah, and I have to honor that we're all different. And some Mm -hmm. people that are listening may be like, well, I have no problem going sugar-free, and and all hail to you. And for us, I know that if I were to deprive myself of sugar, it would feel like I was punishing myself. And the way I know how to rebel against the punishment is to binge, and it's not worth it for me. So I would rather have my chocolates, and I have them. I have chocolates all around the house, but I don't binge on them and Mm -hmm. that's been the biggest difference. I would rather have a relationship with chocolate where I can have one, fully enjoy it and then not have any more than not have chocolate at all and then binge on a whole bag of them and then feel really sick to my stomach because I did that.
0: Absolutely. I remember last year my husband brought home a big box of, it was during the fall, like he brought home the Dunkin' Donuts, like the pumpkin donuts. Mm. And I remember I sat down with one at the table. I put it on a beautiful plate, and I sat down with it. And I was literally just present with that donut. I mean, I literally was like, no one talked to me. I'm going to be very present with this donut. And I had like a fourth of it. But when I say I had it, like I tasted it, and I was with it, and I experienced the texture. And I was like, I'm good. I think I had like a fourth of it. Not even half. And I was like, I don't want anymore. And my husband was like, how did you do that?
1: Yeah, I was like, I was
0: present with it. I was present. But if I had told myself I couldn't have those, I would have thought about it all day long, obsessed over it until I ended up eating four or five. Yeah. Uh, just to prove to myself I was worthy of having them. That go- yeah. goes back to the worthiness.
1: It always does. And, you know, we both know this. It's Even though it's about the food, it's not about the nope, food. exactly. And whenever I, you know, have any conversations with women who are having issues with food or any addiction because mm-hmm. – Food is an addiction. Yes. Um. Anyone that has an addiction, I always encourage them to do the healing you need around food. The mindful eating was also uh, the most instrumental tool to heal my, yes. bin- My, you know, my binge eating. But it wasn't. It wasn't the only thing because that would imply that it was about the food. Yes. I had to do deeper healing in myself, and so look beyond what you're actually addicted to. Yes. And start to do the inner work required for you to feel freedom around it. Yes. And. I know the the challenging thing about binge eating, out of all the addictions, I have to say, is that I can't just not eat food. I have to look at this issue every day, right? It's not like I can be like, well, you know, alcoholism. You can remove alcohol yes. from your life. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not trying to compare the two. It's obviously two very different things. And with binge eating, I had to fucking deal with it yeah. because I couldn't. We gotta just, eat. You gotta eat. And I think that was the biggest blessing for my life is that I couldn't run away from this problem. Yes. And that's what forced me to then have to look at my brokenness and dive into it. And that's what was the catalyst for me in my spiritual practice Absolutely. and my spiritual healing.
0: Absolutely. You have to dive fully. I always ask my clients, when you eat when you're not hungry, what is it you're truly hungry for?
1: Yeah, Because
0: it's never about food. Yeah. It's about companionship or something else. There's something else going on that has nothing to do with food or alcohol or, or anything. It's always something underneath. And yeah. it's all about being comfortable with sitting with those feelings. So I'm wondering, as we're talking about you and your beautiful um, acceptance of your feelings as they arise... Do you have any particular, I guess, structure or any particular way that, or maybe even a little ceremony or ritual or something that you do for yourself daily to honor whatever's coming up, whether it be disappointment or expansiveness? How, how do you do that in your life? Because it looks different for all of us.
1: Yeah, well, one of the things that I do is I make sure that my morning practice is very fluid. Mm-hmm. So I used to have a very structured morning practice, excuse me, morning practice where I had to, you know, journal for 20 minutes and then meditate for 30 minutes and Mm -hmm. then yoga for 20 minutes. And I had this like, you know, all planned out. Mm -hmm. And then there'd be mornings that I would avoid it altogether because I didn't want to do my, you know, hardcore structured practice. Mm -hmm. And so now I give myself permission to show up when I want. Mm -hmm. Not at a structured time. I don't wake up to an alarm, at least most days. I allow myself to wake up when my body feels good or when my man wakes me up. Yes. You know, and then I go to my my practice and so it looks different every day. And so for me, that's a way of honoring my needs and starting to trust that I have different desires every day and that's okay. It's absolutely I don't know when we decided that it had to like discipline has to look like very structured, masculine, you do this whether you want to or not. I think discipline can look like fluidity as long as you're showing up, as long as you're getting there. Allow whatever wants to come out to come out in that moment.
0: Absolutely. I love that. I do the exact same thing. Yeah. Some days I sit and meditate to music. Some days I pull out angel cards. Some days I journal. And some days I go for a walk. I mean, yeah. it doesn't have to be the same. It's whatever your soul desires.
1: And I think that's um pretty uh, big. I think it was a pretty big revelation for me mm-hmm. because it started to honor the fact that um there is a, a beautiful side of me my feminine side that also has a lot of power that power doesn't have to derive just from the sense of control and, yes. and structure and um, my birth tarot card my numerology tarot card is the emperor so I do have a lot of masculine leadership within me mm-hmm. and that's okay but I also want to start learning how to honor my feminine yes. so that's one of the ways that I, I practice kind of honoring me and honoring my emotions and honoring my needs. And then the other one is a tool that I learned from one of my most beautiful teachers. Her name is Tara Brock. She's a Buddhist teacher. I love her to death. When I lived in Maryland, I would go down to Bethesda to see her talk every Wednesday night. And uh, she's just so brilliant. So she teaches this method that has been so healing for me and my clients. And it's called Recognize and Allow. So oftentimes, when we are experiencing an emotion, we immediately want to change it if it's not a positive emotion. Um, we do this in the spiritual world. We yes. do this brilliantly. Yes. And I know that we we hide it well. We think that we're accepting it, but really we're denying the heck out of this emotion. And we do it by, you know, pulling an angel card to make us feel better or doing yoga to make us feel better. We do anything to change the emotion uh-huh. and the practice of transforming the emotion is not to deny it but to recognize that the emotion is coming up and then allow it to be there yes and that is so life-changing there's a difference it's just an energetic shift but there's a difference between going to yoga and and spending an hour accepting the emotion that you are and allow it to transform naturally than going and being like, I'm upset and I want to get happy and I'm going to yes. use this yoga as a tool to change my emotions. Exactly. Because
0: Absolutely. when we try
1: to change our emotions, we're not honoring why they came up in the first place. Exactly. You see how. It's a band aid. Oh, oh, my uh, miracle moment alarm. Was. I love it. I love it. Coming on, um, it's a beautiful miracle moment to be speaking here it with is. you. Yeah, and I just
0: looked up at the clock just to check our time, and it was four forty-four. Of course, obviously. Uh, obviously,
1: obviously, obviously. So yeah, I mean, how can we, how can we develop trust within ourselves if mm. we're denying our emotions? Agreed.
0: We can't. We have to know it's safe to feel. And maybe it's people like you and I that just have to go out and teach other women that it's safe by helping yeah. them feel safe. Yeah. That's our that's my at least biggest goal is just to help someone feel safe to feel, to yeah. know that they're held in a safe environment because for so long I didn't feel safe being vulnerable.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And and I think the biggest thing that we can do for all of us here together energetically is to really, really practice holding space for ourselves yeah. and to make ourselves feel safe, yes. to feel our emotions. Yes, yes, yes. And that's the hardest thing. I mean, I'm, I'm working on it every day. It's so challenging because I recognize how easy it is for me to run away from my emotions. Mm-hmm. I shut out my significant other. I shut out my partner because he loves to talk about what's coming up and I can Mm -hmm. see it. I push him out I you know will sit and sulk I will turn on the TV Mm -hmm. I mean the ways that we run away are endless they are and so the the beautiful thing I've learned from my binge eating and that I've been able to now teach others is that Even if you do those things, the second arrow, the then punishing yourself for doing those things is worse than the first arrow.
0: It's just a, it's just self-defeating. It's like being angry at yourself for being angry. It's like. and we do it of course Uh
1: I mean shame and guilt is always Mm -hmm. the second arrow it's never really the first so I said something mean and then I feel guilty that I said something mean and that second arrow kills us that's what keeps percolating in our heads and keeps us feeling off center and it keeps us small it's a form of resistance yeah
0: it does absolutely and you know going back to tara brock something that came up for me because we've been talking about this trance of unworthiness i'll never forget reading her book radical acceptance so many Mm. years ago and there's a line in the very beginning it might even be the introduction where i don't know i cannot remember it's been so long she was either talking about her mother or a friend or someone on their deathbed and looked up and said all of this time i always felt like there was something wrong with me And I just realized that I was always okay. And that was right before her death. And I think of that so often when I feel unworthy or different or small or whatever is... Am I going to be there on my deathbed thinking all oh, that time I played small, I was okay yeah. to go big. I was yeah. okay to feel. I was okay to be worthy and to say, thank you. I accept my radiance. I don't want to be that person. I'm yeah. not going to be in. I think that's, that's why I, I made such changes. And what I want to share with others so much, I don't want anyone to get that far and realize they were always okay.
1: Yeah. Oh, I, I, amen. I love that. And I, I, um, there was a very popular article that came out a long time ago about the five regrets of the death and the dying. And, um, you know, the number one regret, if I recall correctly, it's not having gone after what they really had wanted yep. because, and, and that to me is devastating. Yeah, so that and, is- and it's so devastating because we are so addicted to other people's, um, recognition of us and approval of us for us to do what we wanna do. And um, it's important that we start to recognize ourselves, to recognize our needs, our imperfections. We are all imperfect and, and it's okay. I don't know how we were born with all these bad beliefs. Like we were born unworthy while simultaneously born feeling like we have to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And we're always going to fall short of our idealized self-image, is what I call it in my work. We're always going to fall short of it. So as long as we continue to pretend that we're perfect, we're going to experience shame and guilt. We're going to not be able to then experience our emotions because we're going to feel like we shouldn't even have them. And then, of course, we're going to not go after what we want. Of course, because we're so addicted to trying to have this fake sense of confidence.
0: Yes. Imagine if we just all stepped into our worthiness and knew we were okay. Imagine how different the world would be. I'm even thinking of wars and just... Famine, just all of it would be so different.
1: I think so too. And that's why I'm so passionate about stepping women up. Yes. And you know, I call myself a women's leadership coach just because that felt like a nice title. Yeah. <laughs> but really, I'm not speaking of leadership in the sense of like getting you to be a CEO. Sure. Because even though that's important, I think we're all leaders. Yep, I think it's A are. Course in Miracles that says that everything that we teach, everything that we do is teaching other people what we believe. Yep. And then if that's the case, then we all have a responsibility. Responsibility to lead our lives in a way that teaches others love. And in order for us to teach others love, we have to be experiencing love. The more that we can step women up to be teachers and leaders, we're going to see a different society because war is masculine. War is masculine. We do not have it in the feminine energy. There is a way for us to have more peace in this world, and it is a hundred percent will only happen if women rise up. And we decide that we don't have to lean in. Screw leaning in. We do not yes. have to be more manly nope. to succeed. We do not have to be more masculine. We do not have to be what we are not. We just That's have right. to be a 100% who we are. And we need to Love stand it. up. Yes. For ourselves as women.
0: Yes. And we really can have it all. We can have it all. We can have it all. Who the fuck has taught us as women that we can't have it all? That you can't be successful and a mom and beautiful and intelligent. You got to pick or choose. No. You can have it all.
1: Yeah. I feel have like it all. You, I feel like you, because I'm not a mother, at least not yet, but I feel like you so beautifully embody that, because oh, look at you. you having it all. Thank you have you. beautiful children, you're thank running a you. badass business. I mean, talk about someone who is really walking their walk, and thank I have you. to really honor you for that. Thank
0: you so much. That has only come. And I will accept that and say thank you. (laughs) And I will say that has come through a slow progression of me doing everything we've spoken about today, of sitting in that sacred space, of allowing myself to feel all the reasons I didn't feel worthy of having it all, of examining all the beliefs of everyone who told me I couldn't and allowing and changing my mind and realizing that, yeah, I can and I'm going to because I'm going to teach my daughter she can have it all. And I'm going to teach all of these women that they can have it all. And the best way for me to teach it is to do it.
1: Yeah. And you know, now I don't even entertain ideas that I think a lot of women do. I don't entertain the idea that I make less than men because that's simply not mm-hmm. what's going to happen. That's not my reality. Yeah. I don't entertain the idea that my significant other, that I have to clean up after him mm-hmm. or that I have to, you know, be the, the ho- like clean the house. Like I don't entertain that idea. I want to create a partnership where yes. we are both doing it equally. And so I have attracted in my mm-hmm. life a man that is a hundred percent there I for me. Too. Yeah, I uh, got a cut on my finger and it hurts like so bad. And so I couldn't do the dishes today. And usually that's me. I did dishes. I love doing the dishes. I know it's weird, but today <laughs> he didn't even, I didn't even have to ask him. He stepped mm-hmm. up and he did the dishes. That's okay. the man that I've watched. That's awesome. Because I refuse to believe. I, don't, I refuse to entertain those stories. I, agree. I can have it all. You, you absolutely can. Have it can. All. And um, I'm going to continue to attract the people in my life that believe this belief with me.
0: Amen. And you did. You attracted me. Here yeah, we are together. At look at us. I love it. And I- I've attracted the same partner. He does laundry, he cleans, he also works because he knows we're equals. Yeah. This morning he walked in and he said, I have something for you. And he, on the way after taking the kids to school, he went and bought me a pedicure and made me an appointment for tomorrow it's like he recognizes also my need so as i'm working he recognizes my need for that self-care and that feminine space and he gives it to me and that's so important because i've let him know that that's priority to me and he does know um I think that's another big thing is women need to put themselves first because it's like we put on the um when a plane's going down, they say put on your own oxygen first and then help your kids and help everybody else. If we're not fully breathing and we're not fully in our bodies, we can't help other people. So however you start the day, whether it's structured, whether it's free flowing, whether it's just sleeping in, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter as long as you start by filling your own cup. Yes. And allowing space for you to feel whatever comes up. And to whoever's listening, if you have emotions that you're pushing down, that you're eating, if that you are afraid to feel, reach out to myself or to Thais. Let someone like us that has been through that experience Mm -hmm. hold safe space for you to do so.
1: I mean, you know... I I thought before you close it up I thought that I was living the mo- the best life that I could right like I didn't know there was anything wrong mm-hmm. with me until I had uh, developed a pretty bad binge eating so for all of you listening don't mm-hmm. don't wait until you have an anxiety attack when yes. you have an addiction built up when you ruin all your relationships before reaching out to support from your sisters and your mentors and your coaches and us and whoever you need to reach out to don't wait until oh there goes my phone don't wait until everything breaks down literally literally literally, don't wait because if I had only had support and I didn't know and that's okay But if only I had had support before I could have avoided so many years of of pain. Again, I don't regret yes. it. I love my experience. I'm just saying if we can in any capacity with our stories yes. prevent you from having to go down the rabbit hole so deeply, we would love to do anything Absolutely. that we can do. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. It's like we're we've become the people that we needed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We've
0: become the people that we needed for others. And I think that's so beautiful. So on that lovely note, tell everyone where they can find you.
1: Yeah. So I'm, you know, like Heather said, we met on Instagram. Yes. I love Instagram. Love Instagram. (laughs) my happy home. Love it. So you can find me at Instagram.com forward slash Coach Thais. And it's Thais like Thailand. It's like T-H-A-I. And then remove the land and add an S. (laughs) Remove the land. Yeah, remove the land at an S. Thais. Um, so, and then you can also find me on my website, coachthais.com. I actually right now have this amazing, uh, free downloadable. It's like a 16 page meditation ebook. And it kind of walks you through all of my favorite meditations. I have videos, audios. It's a book. It has, you know, it's really, really really awesome. Yeah. So if you have an opportunity to go on my website, Go get that. Go get it before Excellent. it's gone because I feel like it's going to be going soon. And
0: if anyone <laughs> doesn't know how to spell the name or you can't write it down, I'm going to tag her in, uh, in everything. So, oh, good. <laughs> yeah. So her her name will be there and her someday, website will be there. Yes. Someday
1: my name will be known as it Oprah. Will. I mean, like before Oprah, Oprah was yeah. Oprah, I mean, I'm sure people said Oprah.
0: Right.
1: I mean, Oprah. people didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't
0: know. Yeah. That's right. That's why I said it's like Oprah. Yeah. Like, I want to change my name now. I just want to be, like, Heather. Like, I am Heather. (laughs) I'm just Heather. You are Heather. I am Heather. You're Heather. (laughs) (laughs) But mine, but Heather's not cool like Thais. Like, that's so (laughs) sexy. Like, every time I say
1: it, like, I flip my hair back. You're amazing. Well, what's so funny, I mean, talk about a quick story here, but I hated my name. For most of my life, because I was different. I moved to the United States when I was seven. I'm originally from Brazil, and my name in Brazil is very popular. And when I moved here, no one could pronounce my name. I, you know, in your teen years, you want to blend in. Yes. And finally, I started taking ownership that I am different and I am the same. I am special and I am not special. That's and right. in that, Balance is me, and my name is what was given to me. I am proud of it now, and that's what happens when you do this work. These tiny yes. little things start just tweaking and changing, and you start dropping the shame. That's screw fun. the shame.
0: Screw the shame. Screw the shame. We need to make a t-shirt that says, screw the shame. <laughs> we should. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Screw the shame. Screw the shame.
1: I love it.
0: That, could, that should be a new hashtag. We should start using that hashtag. Type. We should. Screw the we shame.
1: Should. Yeah, I'll use
0: sh- it when I post this
1: done
0: done yes (laughs) this has been really transformational I almost feel like I've been through a coaching session it's awesome yeah this is great it's been a really great time and I would love to have you back sometime for a part two
1: let's do it yes
0: and I I think we should do a workshop or something together in the future
1: and come to LA baby
0: I'm coming or you can come (laughs) to the beaches of North Carolina or we'll just go on a tour and do both
1: I mean, like let's Coast, bring on all East possibilities. East
0: Coast, West Coast tour. Let's do it. I love it. it. Yeah. It. We'll be bi-coastal. <laughs> I've always wanted to say that. Heather and I am Ty- Heather, Heather and Thais and we are bi-coastal.
1: bi-coastal.
0: <laughs> that just sounds cool. Thank you so much, my love. If anyone has any questions about Thais, you can't find her or anything. You just let me know and I will connect you to. Thank you so, so very much. And I just want to say I'm honored to have had this conversation with you. And your growth is just beautiful. Your story, um, your light, your love, you are beautiful.
1: Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome.
0: You're welcome. All right. We'll speak to you soon on the next Soul Speaks.